Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Hanging in there, Dan. Good morning to you. Yeah, another big news day today, folks. A yeah. lot to get to. Uh, hey, if you've been listening to our show <laughs> from... Um, basically episode 628 on, which I frequently reference, which was the start of the real explosive growth in the show. Yeah. We've been growing like 10, 20% a month, but we had what, like a hundred percent growth in one yeah. month after that. More than that. Yeah. Um, a lot of the stories that are breaking and believe me, this is not a, please don't take this the wrong way, folks. This is not a, Hey, look at us thing. Look how great we are. Uh, we got the information from other people as well. I'm not claiming to be some kind of a genius here. I'm just saying that. If you've been listening to our show from episode 628 on, and if you haven't, if you just started listening this week, go back and listen and download those shows or listen to them as well. A lot of the news that's breaking right now is not really news. Um, I don't. I know you yeah. go to sleep early, Joe, because of WCBM, but I have a feeling you know yeah. where I'm going with this. We don't rehearse this before the show. So, um, you know, yesterday it broke, broke, um, air quotes here, that, you know, Alexander Downer. Yeah, is uh, it become a major a major flashpoint in the Trump Russia investigation? Now, what do I always tell you? Remember the names, <laughs> right? I got about fifty emails from people last night. Dan, you told me to remember the names. Thanks. Now I know. The, you know, they already knew the Downer story before it broke. Yeah, um, it's not mysterious. So I'm going to get into that a little bit. I've got another really good piece. Shockingly, and I, folks, give me a little, give me a pass on this, please. It's in the New York Times. Ah. I know, I know the slimes. I get it. It's a horrible news. I hate giving them clicks. Yeah. But it's a piece you should read because it's by a fake conservative by the name of David Brooks. He's about as uh, conservative as Jimmy Carter. But he's the New York Times like token conservative guy. But it is a good piece. And it's about the left, again, winning the culture war overwhelmingly, but losing the political war, something Joe and I have talked about a lot. I want to get into that because there's some good takeaways, and he makes some good points that we need to learn, too. So I'm going to get into that as well. But uh, I got a lot of good stuff. Great, great topics today. All right. Today's show brought to you by buddies at iTarget. Uh, listen, folks, anybody can fire a firearm at the range. You know, you hit a paper target. Great. Uh, you know, if you don't, whatever, you don't know your stuff. You got to be able to, you know, hit what you're firing at. God forbid you're in a self-defense situation. If you're a law enforcement officer, if you're a military personnel, if you're a hunter, if you're a hunter, you want to hit what you're firing at, obviously. One of the best ways to do this is the iTarget system. The iTarget sets the letter I, iTarget, the website's iTargetPro.com. That's iTargetPro.com. Here's what it is. When you order the uh, the laser round from the iTarget Pro system, they will send you a laser round and a target. And you load this round into a into an F safe and empty weapon. Check it, check it twice, check it three times. Look in the chamber, finger probe, make sure it's empty. You put the laser round in there. And when you depress the trigger onto the laser round, in the firearm you have now, you don't have to make any manipulations at all. You have a 9mm weapon, they'll send you a 9mm round. It will project a laser onto a target so you can see where the round would have would have uh, gone. This is uh this is where the, the best way uh, to do it. Someone corrected me yesterday. Going gone would have went, but this is the the best way to do it. You you know uh, in the Secret Service we used to do a lot of dry fire training. We would put dimes, Joe, on the end of the firearm. Yeah, and that way, 
Yeah, it's a neat trick that if the dime fell off, you know, you were anticipating the recoil on, on the uh, on the firearm. This is one of the best ways to take your dry fire training to the next level. Go to the itargetpro.com website. That's the letter itargetpro.com website. Put in promo code DAN for 10% off. That's promo code DAN for 10% off. Take your dry fire practice to the next level. The reviews on this product have been absolutely spectacular. The customer service is amazing. You will be shooting the wings off a firefly here uh, in a week. These things... Things are absolutely it's it's really a great system. My dad loves it. Go check it out, itargetpro.com. Okay. So uh last night the Downer story, you know, so-called breaks, and yeah. now we find out that Alexander Downer, who was an Australian diplomat, and what I've been telling you for months, folks, is that this was a setup and Downer is a key player in this. This entire operation against the Trump team was a sting, was a setup, was it was it was a farce. It was this thing was planned the entire time. They needed to dirty up the Trump team. Mm-hmm. So yesterday it breaks. I'll put the story in the show notes today. Please read it because it's a good one, by the way, by John Solomon at The Hill. It'll be in today's show notes at Bongino.com. Subscribe to the email list. I'll email it right to you. But it describes how Downer was intimately tied through the Clintons through a number of financial dealings with the Clinton Foundation, the Australian government. A story, again, we've already told you about. I don't want to repeat the story because it's not new to to our listeners, but it's important now because Solomon did say something last night, Joe, on Fox News that I was like, boom, epic. Like, that was great. Solomon really hammered it. But Downer has it was was involved in this twenty five million dollar transfer from the Australian government uh, to a, a component of the Clinton Foundation. Downer's also the guy that shows up in a bar with a a Trump backbencher Papadopoulos back in May. And the FBI is now saying, well, that's how the whole counterintelligence investigation started, because Downer uh, reported back to American intelligence agencies that while he was in that bar with Papadopoulos, Papadopoulos had mentioned something about the Russians Russians having dirt on Hillary. Folks, this story gets more polluted and convoluted by the day. Mm. Now. I'm not going to relitigate that portion of it. I've already told you on multiple shows how nearly everybody approaching the Trump team who has either ratted out the Trump team or approached the Trump team saying, hey, look what we got, information on the Russians. Nearly everyone is tied to the Clintons or to Fusion GPS. Matter of fact, I don't know anybody who's not. (laughs) You had Milian. The businessman who was reportedly the source of the golden shower story. He has some dealings with Papadopoulos. He's supposedly the source of the story, uh, the dossier in the dossier about the golden showers. Well, how did that get to back to Fusion GPS? Nobody can explain any of this. You have the Agalarov guys. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, Don Jr., we need to set up a meeting with this Russian. They have some dirt on Hillary or whatever it may be. Who shows up? A Russian lawyer associated with Fusion GPS. Now you have Downer. Downer shows up in a bar with Papadopoulos. Hey, Papadopoulos told me about Russian dirt on Hillary. Downer, a $25 million deal with the Clintons between the Australian government and the Clinton Foundation. Downer all of a sudden reports back to the FBI. Folks, this was a setup. This isn't synchronicity, y'all. No, no, it's not. No. It's not. It, 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 this is not like some serendipitous course of events. It's just right. That's not the way this works. This was a setup. It is now common sense just to say to yourself, okay, the coincidences are lining up. Now, just to quickly get to this point, because Solomon made a genius point last night, Joe. He said, think about this. Hat tip to him. The four cited sources that we know about 
on the record that the four-sided sources that the FBI used to establish probable cause to surveil members of the Trump team, all four sources are deeply connected to the Clintons. Hold on one sec. I got to You know what? My screensaver on my phone is driving me nuts. It goes off like every two minutes. I hate that. I got to change that today. All four. Now, let's go through them one by one. Source number one. Remember, we're talking about cited sources in legal documents. This is why I keep telling you folks, and I'm going to get to this in a minute too. I got a really depressing email from a guy yesterday. <laughs> He's like, justice isn't coming. I feel hard. It's a great. I appreciate the email. All caps he wrote it, by the way. But he made a really, really cool um Told me a cool story, kind of an analogy, an analogous story to what's going on right now. And I want to bring that up. But I I think justice is coming. And here's why. When I cite these four sources, folks, remember, these four sources, it is now on the record, whether in newspapers or legal documents, that these people passed on information about the Trump team to law enforcement sources, information that was false. Mm. There's a legal record here. So number one, source number one. Is Christopher Steele. Christopher Steele was the source of the dossier used to get probable cause to spy on the Trump team. Christopher Steele was connected to the Clintons. He was working for Fusion GPS, paid by the Clinton campaign to go gather information against Trump. Nothing illegal about that, folks. But there is something extremely untoward and potentially illegal, depending on if they knowingly swore to it, about bringing political information into a court of law to establish probable cause to spy on an American citizen, knowing the information may have been false, and then not disclosing the source of the information, which they didn't. In the court, let's be clear as day, the FBI did not disclose that the information came from the Clinton campaign. They said it was a political campaign. Well, which one kind of makes a difference, folks? So source number one, again, we're just establishing just, a, you know, I'm not trying to dumb down the show. I just want to make sure nobody leaves with any sense of yeah. confusion. This is good. This is good. Solomon's point was terrific. The four sources of information the FBI used to bring into court to establish a reason, probable cause to spy, a legal reason on the Trump team are all from the Clintons. Source number one, Steele. Source number two, Downer. Downer is that... The FBI, people are on the record saying that it was the Downer conversation with Papadopoulos that started the counterintelligence investigation into Trump. New York Times is on the right side. Dan Bongino's opinion. This has been reported multiple times by left-leaning outlets. We now know Downer's connected to the Clintons. We now know Downer had some kind of financial relationship with the Clintons through his role in government in, uh, in Australia. Folks, none of this is in dispute. Downer talks to Papadopoulos, who's working with the Trump team. Downer then reports back to the American intelligence agencies on Papadopoulos. Oh, by the way, it wasn't disclosed, Joe, that Downer had this relationship with the Clintons, this monetary relationship through the Australian government. That wasn't disclosed in court either. Not relevant, folks. Not relevant at all. Winking a nod. Somebody hiding something here? Here's the third source of information cited in the documents. Isakoff, Michael Isakoff, mm-hmm. the reporter for Yahoo News. You may say, well, how's he connected to the Clintons? He's working intimately with Alexandra Chalupa, who's working at the DNC on, a, on her own operation against Trump and Manafort. They're following each other around. And Isakoff gets his information from his 
expose on Trump from who? From Steele. Yeah. So you have the DNC and Steele working for Mrs. Clinton, working with a reporter to put information out there whose report in Yahoo News is subsequently used in a court document to say, hey, look, we've got evidence. It's the same evidence as number one. Christopher Steele. You see what I'm saying, Andrew? It's the same story. Uh Same thing. It's not like, hey, uh, Yahoo News had a different version of events from, from uh, you know, a- anonymous sources who were different. It was the same source. Mm-hmm. So that's number three. Number four, the fourth source of information, Sidney Blumenthal, known Clinton consigliere, Clinton enforcer, Sid Blumenthal and Cody Shear are already on the record in the Washington Post to an op-ed written by Jonathan Weiner, who worked at the State Department, who says he got the information from Sid Blumenthal, the negative information about Trump mm. that made it into some of Steele's dossiers. Steele had multiple memorandums on Trump. So four sources of information used to spy on an American citizen, Joe. Four sources, they're all connected to the Clintons. Folks, this was a setup. Please, I, I, I'm, I'm begging you in common sense terms. Please just open your eyes to this if you are a, a moderate Democrat or a reasonable liberal. I know they're getting harder to find these days, sadly. Mm-hmm. But reverse the scenario for a moment. What if I told you that Barack Obama, it's alleged, was working with the Iranians to overturn the results of an American election. The Iranians were helping Barack Obama win against Mitt Romney, right? Hmm. Let's say a warrant was drawn up to spy on Obama team members, Susan Rice, whatever it may be, Samantha Power. Mm -hmm. In that warrant was information proven later to be false. And all four sources of that information on the record all came from people being paid by the Trump team. Would Would you be annoyed by that? Now, if you're honest, sadly, many of you won't be because you're so blinded by partisanship. Some will, though. If you're honest, you'd say to yourself, yeah, that's pretty troubling. The fact that it doesn't bother you because it's Donald J. Trump says to me that principles don't matter to you. Revenge and politics matter to you first. That principles mean nothing. You know damn well this case stinks to high heaven. And I'm, you know, hat tip to John Solomon for putting this out there last night. Now, I will say this, I, just to be fair to a lot of the reporters on it. I, I'm not a reporter. I, I can, I don't want to say take liberties with the facts. We don't do that here. But I have the ability to, I don't have an editor. Like, I can use my spidey sense on a source, get information, put it out there. So we and Joe were able to talk about Downer, you know, three months ago in I guess ways other reporters weren't because I don't know if they're sourcing if they but I I was pretty confident given my law enforcement experience that some of the sources we had were pretty solid. Yeah. But the downer story is not new. That now you're going to see more of this is going to come out. Now, getting back to that negative email I got where someone said, "Okay, great, Dan, you keep talking. I get this every day. Like, you know what? One guy said, I love it, but in a way I'm tired of it because nothing's going to happen. No, folks, I'm telling you. Something, I'm I'm confident something's going to happen here. This IG report, it's March. You're seeing it come out now by the day. More information. We found out yesterday, I'm going to get to this in a second, Peter Stroke. There's another story about that. It's all starting to come out. There is going to be some accountability here. I'm sure of it. But even if it's not, 
I still want you to hold your head up. I know that sounds hard, even if there's not the accountability we want. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a, in a bit, too. But another story that came out yesterday on this is uh, Peter Stroke. Peter Stroke, the compromised FBI agent who was uh, having an affair and was involved in the Clinton email investigation and also was involved in the Trump special counsel before he was removed by special counsel Mueller. Uh, because the emails were horrendously anti-Trump and showed a pattern of, at, at a minimum, misbehavior and poor judgment by this guy. Mm-hmm. There's a Fox News report I'll put in the show notes today again uh, at Bongino.com about Peter Stroke being aware, Joe, of a breach into Hillary Clinton's server. Mm-hmm. Something you and I talked about, what, like a year ago? Yeah, at least. <laughs> I mean, we've uh, now, again, the source on this, I... I've tried to turn reporters onto them and they don't want to buy it. But the source is, they, I, I, let me just tell you, the source is unimpeachable. The Clinton server was, I, if it wasn't breached, I'd be astonished based on the information I went by foreign actors, that is. Now, apparently, Stroke had some idea that this was true. Because of what I'm quoting the Fox News piece by Catherine Harridge, who's been doing great work. There were metadata irregularities in the server, which indicates strongly that foreign actors had breached Mrs. Clinton's server, Joe, and there was information on that was beyond top secret. Hmm. Remember. Beautiful Russian girls want to meet you for marriage. That may have been on there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Some of that that may have been a phishing scam to get into the Clinton server. Who knows who clicked on it, right? But the information was beyond top secret. There's, you know, there's uh, sensitive compartmented information. There's human. There's signal intelligence above that. I mean, there's information that is potentially, literally life threatening if it gets out. That was on Mrs. Clinton's private server. The metadata irregularities would lead a, you know, reasonable person to believe. That there were, in fact, hackers from foreign governments or foreign actors who had broken into that server. Apparently, Stroke knew about this and did almost nothing to do what they would call a damage assessment. A damage assessment, Joe, in the government is a pretty standard practice. What is it? Mm Mm-hmm. If Joe Armacost is a spy for the government and we think he's been compromised, there's a damage assessment afterwards. Who is Joe contacted? If Joe contacted another, say, CIA operative out there, Mm -hmm. uh, is he in danger too? Has Joe given him up? Is is Joe's email? Does he write about this guy? You get what I'm saying, Joe? Sure. There was no damage assessment done. Now, why is that, folks? You have to ask yourself. Why did Stroke delay that decision? Or not make the decision right away in conjunction with his FBI management superiors. Well, folks, if they did a damage assessment, they would have to acknowledge that it was a strong likelihood that classified information had been breached by a foreign actor, which would have destroyed Mrs. Clinton's chances of running on any kind of a national security platform at all. Now, making it even worse, the Comey July 5th famous speech exonerating Hillary Clinton, which he had no authority to do. Everybody remembers that speech, right? Sure do. The July 5th Comey speech, the original version of the draft, because multiple drafts have now been, uh, uh, been are out there in the public sphere. The original draft, Joe had a line that it was reasonably likely that hostile foreign actors had breached the server. Mm -hmm. They changed reasonably likely to possible. Folks, I'm telling you, this case, this was an effort the entire time to frame Donald Trump and exonerate Hillary Clinton. The entire time. This entire operation, 
as I explained to you in the timeline show, too, with the Andy McCabe stuff. This entire operation was designed to exonerate Trump. I mean, exonerate Hillary and frame Donald Trump. And as I explained to you again yesterday, the Mueller operation is a smokescreen, too. You think, Joe, you think Mueller doesn't know about Downer? No. Of course he knows. He of course can, he knows. Did, the guy watches the news. Yeah. He's got he knows about why you're not even remotely interested that a guy who were, was involved in a twenty five million dollar transfer to the Clinton Foundation from the Australian government is also the guy that initiated a major counterintelligence investigation into the Clinton's political opponents. That doesn't bother you, that doesn't disturb you, that doesn't trouble you at all. I mean, it's I'm telling you, we live in like Bizarro Superman land now. <laughs> All right, I got a ton of other stuff to get to, but I did. I wanted to hammer that because it broke last night. And thank you for all mm-hmm. the emails. I appreciate it. I'm not trying to be right or first, folks. Really, we're just trying to get the truth out. I promise you. It's all that matters to me, and I don't really care it takes any kind of credit for it. All right, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Filter By. A lot of people out there screaming and yelling on social media about the environment. That's true. Go on there. Just put it in. They scream and yell about our industries polluting the air and destroying the planet. I bet most of them haven't changed their home's air filter since it was installed. I know I didn't when I moved in here. It's a simple thing. It can make a huge difference in the air you breathe at home, and we're spending a lot of time indoors. Visit my friends at FilterBuy, America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. You got 100 filters in your small business. These are your guys. You got two or three in your house. These are your guys. They carry over 600 different filter sizes, including custom options, all shipped free within 24 hours, and they're manufactured right here in America. FilterBuy offers a multitude of MERV options all the way up to hospital grade. That's some pretty clean air there. So you'll be removing dangerous pollen, mold, dust, and other allergy-aggravating pollution while maximizing the efficiency of your system, home or business. Right now, you can save 5% when you set up auto delivery, so you'll never need to think about air filters again. Save money, save time, breathe better with FilterBuy.com. It's a great company, folks. Give them a, give them a little love. That's FilterBuy.com. That's filterbuy.com. Change those air filters. They get really dirty. You'd be breathing in a lot of junk. All right. So um, this Brooks piece is really good. This David Brooks piece in the New York Times. I am, again, let me just preface this by saying I'm not a fan of this guy. I am definitely not a fan of the New York Slimes. Um, I don't think they're interested in facts. I think they're interested in propaganda. But once in a while, I will link to a piece in there because it's important to see how the other side thinks. And I certainly consider Brooks um, to be part of the other side of the ideological divide. But he makes some critical points in this thing. And what he's talking about is a topic we brought up a lot about, the, the our waning cultural power. Uh, but rising political power on the conservative side of the ideological spectrum. Folks, we're winning the political battles. We are. That That's tautological. I mean, it's not we control the presidency. We control the House of Representatives. We control the Senate. We control the majority of governorships, the majority of state houses. Uh, the, the political power is strongly in the red side of the red-blue divide. But it's indisputable at this point that in the culture war, uh, we have been losing in a way. And one of the examples I frequently give about how the default position is always on the left side of the ideological aisle, the default meaning the acceptable position. Right, right. Is remember, Joe, I talked, about, I don't know, about a year ago about how one night I'm sitting there and I'm watching television and I'm thinking about how I'd read an article a while ago about how a lot of big major companies and Joe, you know, being at CBM. Yeah. Car companies, mm-hmm. soft drink companies, big, major, you know, billion dollar enterprises, computer companies, how they generally avoid conservative talk radio now. Yeah. Which I always found strange. I mean, 
It is obvious to anyone who knows this that the sponsors of a show are not in any way backing or aligning with the viewpoints of the show. Right. I don't expect them. I, folks, there is no questionnaire we give to our sponsors. None. Hence, hence the disclaimers that run during a right, show. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. We've talked about this a lot. You know, the views and uh, expressed on this show are not the views of the sponsors. That, that was pretty much the standard of Joe's show. I used to listen to CBM all the yeah. time when I was in Maryland. Now, the left in their never-ending tyrannical battle to crush and silence dissent has decided to wage economic war in America and has decided to insist to the American public that the sponsors are somehow associated with the ideas of the show, even though it's patently obvious to anyone with a brain, not including the radical left, that that is not the case. It's even a disclaimer on the damn show, as Joe said. Mm Mm-hmm. We do not fill out a questionnaire for the show. We don't say, hey, guys, you know, are you guys conservatives? Or That's not what we do. Now, if you take affirmative action to hammer uh, conservatives, that's a different story. Uh, you know, if you take action against us, then sorry, you're going to have to find somewhere else. But you can say whatever you want. You're, you know, that's fine. Yeah. The problem is we are losing that side. And we, oh, here's what I was getting at with the story, though. Sorry. Did, so having that as the setup, where a lot of these main co- these major companies, right, they've pulled out of conservative talk radio. It's all well and good for those uh, those those companies, by the way, to hire people as spokespeople and other things, Hollywood people who've expressed, frankly, at times pretty repugnant views. As long as those views are on the left, I'm sitting at home and I see this Verizon commercial. I'm pretty sure it was Verizon. I see Jamie Fox come on, yes, and this was right around the time of the Quentin Tarantino comments about cops. And Jamie Fox seemed to align himself with those comments, which were very disparaging about America's police officers. I thought unnecessary. I thought that the Tarantino comments were pretty disgusting. And I said to myself, you know, this is I, I, I was really kind of blown away by it. And I thought it doesn't matter if you if you're pro-abortion, anti-cop, you know, you 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 speak out against police officers, you speak out against Donald Trump, you're fine. Major American companies, no Verizon, sign them up. And you know, listen, disclosure, I have uh, my account with Verizon on my phone. But I just thought to myself, I thought because there's really no way to get away from it anymore. Yeah. And I thought this is evidence of us getting smoked in the cultural war how if you are you know pro termination of life in the womb that's all good you know you want to be an airline you donate to Planned Parenthood that's okay but you have some kind of a cost sharing uh, not cost sharing but a cost reduction flight program with the NRA oh that's no good so he makes the point here Brooks in this piece that This may hurt the left in the long run. And he gives an example, an example I thought was a good one. Mm. He says the left, if they really wanted positive change on the issue of firearm violence, not firearms, but firearm violence in general, crime specifically, Joe, using firearms. Okay. That they would stop hyper polarizing every single incident and making it, oh, NRA, you guys are accomplices and you guys are murderers. That this, in the end, is going to generate a significant backlash on the other end. And he gives an example. He says, think about it, Joe. He says, this opioid uh, crisis in the country right now. Mm-hmm. And I, again, folks, I don't want to over... There's a lot of... It's a serious... Believe me, I've been a victim of it personally, so please don't send me emails. I, I, I'm serious. I never asked But I've been a... I'm not even going to wait to it, but I have been a personal 
victim of this in my family. It's it's real. But there is also a media driven narrative that it's some kind of an I mean, it's an epidemic beyond controllable proportions. It's a serious, serious problem. I am a again, I've I've had it in my own family. But there's a lot of media hype that I think is driving further government intervention that hasn't worked yet. The government has failed in the drug war for as long as it's been waging it. But, sorry, I had to put that out there because I don't, I get a lot of emails whenever I mention that. But he says there has been some progress, a little bit. And there is at least some bipartisan agreement, Joe, on this opioid crisis because the left has not hyperpolarized it. In other words, they haven't gone after people on the right and been like, well, you know, you uh, you guys are all you're, you're killing kids all over the place. They, you know, they, they, this course is going to be political attacks, but they haven't hyperpolarized it like they have on the gun issue. So there's some kind of you say there's the two political tracks, Joe, mm-hmm. right? You got liberals and conservatives. Mm-hmm. They are moving towards each other at some point where there may be some kind of a uh, agreement in the future. And it doesn't have to be a government one. Right. But, you know, it may be some kind of, uh, you know, a public education program, whatever it may be, you know, but um, they haven't hyperpolarized that. But he says the mistake they make with the gun issue is they have hyperpolarized it and created everybody as an enemy, anyone who disagrees with them. And it, here's what he calls it. He says this has generated a backlash by conservatives and they've made them unacceptable and effectively a separatist subculture. Like if you're a conservative, you live in this land of freaks, you're a bunch of separatists and you should never be accepted in public life again. And they do this through intimidation. What's the intimidation? It's social media. It's intimidating companies. You guys are accomplices to murder, murderers, murder, blood on your hands. But folks, I have a big, I capitalize it, but here's the button this. Mm. I don't think the left can stop. I don't think this is optional at this point, Joe. I think the left is so knee deep in critical theory. Mm. They have been trained and, and, and lectured by critical theory people in academia, people who critical theories brushed off on. And critical theory is very simply the idea that If you were part of the white patriarchal power structure, in other words, a conservative or basically, Joe, anyone who doesn't agree with liberals, then you are, in fact, a not a voice worthy of being heard because anything you do or say, facts you cite, data you cite, reports you cite is nothing more than an advancement of your uh, of your willingness to control people through your use of power. Therefore, basically. You're an idiot, and you should shut your pie hole. Well, and, and they've heard it and said it so much, they're having a bit of Stockholm Syndrome uh, with this uh, particular topic. I, they are. We, the ho- Stockholm Syndrome, you know, when the hostage uh, the hostages well, yeah. start to feel for the hostage. Eventually, that people start to settle in, and they accept it. They, they always it. accept their conditions. Like, you know, they've said it so much. Maybe that's a good point. It actually leads into what I was going to say next, which is good. They, You know, we kind of like almost accept it. Like, And, and folks... You say, oh, no, I don't accept it. I speak up. Folks, I am one of the most vocal conservatives out there. I mean, we have the second biggest conservative podcast in the country right now. And I'm telling you, even at times, I have felt the need to keep quiet. I will never forget. Quick story for you. I was down for the inauguration, second inauguration, Barack Obama. And I'm down there as a former Secret Service agent doing some commentary for NBC. And there's three or four like camera people and, you know, whatever, people who are doing the segment. They were organizing it like producer types. And the topic of 
guns comes up and they start saying crazy things about assault weapons and things. There's no such thing as assault weapons. It's just, and instead of speaking up, folks, I'm again, I, you know, it doesn't do me any good to always like uh, puff myself up. Hey, look at me. I've been guilty of it too. Like Joe said, the Stockholm syndrome sets in because you've been beaten down so much. You've been told what a freak you are and how you're, to quote uh, Brooks, a separatist subculture, a bunch of freak dudes, and you've been intimidated so much that I didn't say anything. And I regretted that even to this day. I regret it so much. I remember the story and I'm telling you about it right now on Hmm. Tuesday. I was really kind of ashamed when I went home that I didn't have the guts to stand up. And I know what was going through my head. I was tired. I was. I really didn't feel like getting in a gun debate, especially that I'd driven all the way down there to D.C. to do this uh, this Secret Service commentary. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get into a fight. And I don't want to drive back. But that's not an excuse. That's not that. That's 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 bull. I should have said something, and I didn't. And it bothers me still to this day. But Joe's right. There was a certain Stockholm syndrome that kicks in from being unlike in the opioid crisis, where there's some agreement on the left and right about what needs to be done. There is none on guns. The left wants your guns. The right's not giving them up. There you go. The left has cultural power. We have political power. Politically, we're not giving them up. I'm telling you, as of right now, at least, there is no threat to the Second Amendment now. There will be after the 2018 election if we don't win. Don't mistake what I'm saying. There's no threat right now. (laughs) 2018, we lose seats. Oh, you damn well better believe there's a threat. That's why you better go out and vote, folks. Please, I'm begging you. Go out and vote in 2018. But culturally speaking, they're winning the war. Every day, more and more gun owners, NRA members, it gets worse and worse. You go from accomplices to straight up murderers at this point. They're winning the culture where they stigmatize this so much that I have friends of mine that are afraid to put an NRA sticker on their car. Like, oh, they pop my tires. Which fits into Joe's good point about how we're just the Stockholm Syndrome. We're just so used to it. We're like, maybe we are the bad guys. Hmm. Now, I, I saw an, an interesting email on my account on a on a from a friend. I don't want to say who. He didn't give me permission uh, to use his name, but I don't think he would mind because he wrote this in one of his books. So <laughs> it's pretty much out there. <laughs> But he talks about how this intimidation weapon, Joe, and this nonstop effort by the left to paint us as this, to quote, again, Brooks, this separatist subculture through intimidation. Look at those freaky conservatives, weirdos, nuts, murderers, accomplices to murder, Ah! deplorables, rednecks, hicks, flyover country. He said one of the initial weapons of the cultural Marxists so Marxism is generally the idea that the state should control resources on the economic side. So we would call that economic suppression through the confiscation of assets and turning them over to state actors. The government's stealing your stuff. Okay, I'm trying to keep this simple. Mm-hmm. Cultural Marxism is really no different. It's the theft of cultural power and the ability to get your voice out there and the theft of prestige. Ooh. The theft of prestige and the theft of prestige makes you in any group of people look like some kind of an intellectual cretin and someone not to be taken seriously. That is why I tell you this is a remnant of cultural theory and cultural Marxism. Critical theory teaches exactly that, that facts and data don't matter when vocalized by conservatives because they're just using these facts and data to advance their power position as white males. So nothing they say, even if you quote to them, two plus two equals four, as BS, that fact doesn't matter because he said it. Who? The conservative guy. But if a liberal tells you six plus six equals 22, that's to be taken seriously because he's a warrior for the little guy. 
This is all a remnant of cultural Marxism. The intimidation used by people to steal prestige away from conservatives so their voices are meaningless and they're to be treated like deplorables, like, uh, you know, sub-intellectual subhumans. They are not to be taken seriously. And folks, it's working. I just told you that example of the Verizon thing. Tell me, you know, I I mean, if you're a a mainstream, outspoken, conservative actor, the chances of you getting a role, it's not just Hollywood. I'm just using Hollywood because it's an easy example to understand. Mm -hmm. The chances of you getting a role, the chances of you being uh, assigned a spokesman role for a major company are very slim. But if you're a liberal actor, you can be take any liberal position, higher taxes, pro-abortion, pro-Obamacare. You're golden. You are good to go. Just watch commercials during TV. Look at the celebrity spokespeople. Point out to me how many conservative actors you see there. Oh, none. (laughs) I haven't seen any. They may be out there. I haven't seen it. We're losing the cultural war. Now, let me read to you something from the Brooks piece. I didn't mean to spend a lot of time on this, but this is a really good topic, and you you need to understand it because the why matters, folks. The why why liberals go to war with us all the time. Well, you had to set the table, so that's cool. I had to set the table, exactly. Now, here's a warning, though. Now, this is the good news. So that's the bad news is, let me just wrap up the warning here for us, and then we'll give the warning to progressives that Brooks himself gives him. The warning to us is we are losing. The cultural wars and cultural Marxism Stealing the prestige of conservatives to make them freaks and to make them not worthy of public conversation in polite society is working. It is now the generally accepted default position that liberalism is okay and conservatives are freaks. This has been done through intimidation. But here's a warning uh, Brooks in the piece gives to conservatives. And read the piece. I'm serious. It's in the Times, but it is worth reading. He says, the only thing I'd say to my progressive friends is be careful how you win your victories. It's one thing to win by persuasion and another thing to win by elite cultural intimidation. Illiberalism breeds illiberalism. Using elite power, whether economic or cultural, to silence less educated foes, which is kind of a crap thing to say, by the way, usually produces a backlash. One more paragraph. Conservatives have zero cultural power, but they have immense political power. Even today, voters trust Republicans on the gun issue more than Democrats. If you exile 40% of the country from respectable society, they will mount a political backlash that will make Donald Trump look like Adlai Stevenson. Now, again, Brooks is no friend of the conservative movement. But even Brooks sees the writing on the wall, folks, that there will be a backlash. Now, getting back to the email I received, because it's going to tie into where I go next. I received an email from a guy, all caps, by the way. Please, if you send me emails, don't write them in all caps. They're hard to read. My eyes are going bad. I'm only 43. (laughs) Put some punctuation in there or something. Man, put a, you know, capitalization, lowercase, please. It's easy to read. But it's a great email, jokes aside. And he was kind of depressed in the email. Guy says, listen, all I can be reminded of right now, Joe, you remember Hank Williams Sr.? Yeah, music guy. Joe knows that. Joe Joe is a music aficionado, musician himself, and a good one. Thank you. You're welcome. He said Hank Williams uh, Sr. died very early, obviously had a trouble. I know the story pretty well. I know most of you do, but, you know, led a pretty troubled life. He was a musician, had some very famous songs, but had problems with drugs. And there's a story out there that before he died, Minnie Pearl was one of his buddies. 
that he was in the back of a car or something like that and was really hurt. And I uh, looked at Minnie Pearl and said, there ain't no light. There ain't no light. You know, talking about the light at the end of the tunnel. You yeah. know, there ain't. No, in other words, it basically saying there's no hope. And he said, that's how I feel right now. There ain't no light. And I have to tell you, of all the emails I've received over the last, uh, you know, two, three years we've been doing the show, this one really kind of touched me. I think it caught my attention, ironically, because it wasn't all caps. I was, and usually when they were in all caps, it's a liberal. You suck, mother. mother burr, 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 burr. Really? And, uh, so I read it in the gym yesterday. Yeah. And I thought, gosh, I really have to boost this guy up. So I, I had to put that little interlude in there because I get it after reading that, how we're losing the culture wars, how it's not acceptable for us to talk in polite society anymore. We're deplorable. We're, you know, we're intellectually inferior. I get it how a lot of you feel like, well, Dan, what's the good news? Mm-hmm. The good news is, as my friend Tim has said, uh, uh, who, uh, gave me some advice on this. He said, listen, once you recognize the propaganda, the propaganda loses its effect, folks, because you can fight it. You have to understand we are at a minimum at the plurality, but in some cases, the, the majority of the opinion, when you factor in the unsilent, uh, the unsilent majority, I mean, uh, the silent majority in the uns- some of us are unsilent, the 40 percent. But I guarantee you there's another 10 to 15 percent that are silent that are with us, though. They're mm-hmm. afraid to say they support Trump. They realize gun control is crap. Uh, they just don't want to say it because they've been intimidated. So he says the first thing is understanding the propaganda. And changing the debate. Now, something happened last night on Fox, and this is where I like to tie in stories that I thought that you may have seen it. I'll get to it in a second, though, because I want to just set it up. There is light at the end of the tunnel. We are understanding the propaganda. Remember what I told you about gaslighting in that show I did months back? Yeah. Gaslighting is what the left does. It's the telling of lies over and over again, telling those lies confidently and with passion using emotional appeals, but then isolating people from the truth. Propaganda only works. North Korean propaganda, you know, look, the dear leader, Kim Jong-un, he is a descendant of a god. Folks, that only works if you don't have access to Google <laughs> and you Google like, <laughs> is Kim Jong-un really the descendant of a God? And some guy in a, in a blog or news goes, um, fact check false. That's pretty stupid. Right. I mean, think <laughs> about it. Propaganda only works if the truth isn't known. It's why it's the very same reason in a free constitutional Republic like we have now that a lot of young kids are liberal. They're liberal because they go to school in liberal schools, even in conservative states, the schools are largely liberal. And then they get a job and they're 21 and they go, hey, man, I heard this high tax thing was absolutely terrific. And then they get their paycheck and like, wow, this sucks. You're no longer isolated from the truth. Gaslighting doesn't work anymore. North Koreans who get out of North Korea f- figure out pretty quickly Kim Jong-un is not the descendant of a god. He's a short, fat guy. Because why? Because people start to talk to them and the truth gets out there. Gaslighting doesn't work. Gaslighting is not working anymore for liberals like it was years ago because the information ecosystem is dramatically expanded and moved past the era of Tom Brokaw, Walter Cronkite, um, Peter Jennings. There is no more media monopoly on, on what was essentially propaganda. 
for every liberal story that comes out about you know Donald Trump and his uh, the tax cuts are going to crush the economy. There's a conservative piece or a f- talking head on Fox that goes out and says, "Well, that's crap. The evidence says otherwise." Mm-hmm. Gaslighting only works and propaganda only works if you isolate people from the truth. It also only works if you repeatedly repeat the lie confidently. But remember, that works both ways. When you repeat the truth confidently, it also leaves an impression on people. Right. I can't tell you how many people have seen me on Fox hits and email me. Hey, is that true about firearm ownership going up and gun violence going down? Yes. Here's the chart, folks. <laughs> Easy to read it yourself. I, does it change their mind? I don't know, but it certainly makes it more difficult for the left to propagandize them into more guns, more violence. That's not. That's simply not true. More guns have not equaled more violence. That's it is factually incorrect. Right. No matter how many times you say that, it will never be true. The propaganda only works if you if 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 you are isolated. We are no longer isolated. No. Oh. The good news is when you understand, as my friend tells me, when you understand the propaganda, you understand it is propaganda, you can actively work to change the narrative. Now, here's what happened last night on Fox, which I thought was a brilliant move by Mark Stein. Mark Stein is in for Tucker Carlson. He's a very uh, talented political commentator, Mark. He's filling in and he has a guy on from a gun group, a gun control group. It is. He's a very convincing fellow. Uh, I think his name is Glaze or something. Mark Glaze. I'm sorry. I don't remember the name, but I'm pretty sure that was it. He's a very convincing guy. Um, he's not a hellion. He'll come on and he speaks very calmly. Mm-hmm. And you listen to him and he comes off, Joe, to people who aren't informed about the firearm debate is very reasonable. Meanwhile, he's a gun grabber. How do I know? Because he admitted as such last night. Okay. He's on the show. And at one point, Stein, who's a great debater, gets him to say, well, what are your proposals to control gun violence? And at one point, the guy, he doesn't slip either, Joe. You, most of them do. They'll, most of them will say, we don't want your guns, but let's do Australia. Australia, but they took people's guns, right? Yeah. This guy just comes out and says it. You know, maybe we should do the Australia thing and get into uh, compulsory buybacks. Compulsory buybacks, meaning what? Compulsory, meaning you're forced to do it. Meaning they're going to take your guns. So Stein's kind of flabbergasted. It's like, because usually they won't admit that, Joe, on the air. Yeah. He gets the guy to admit it on the air that that's what they want. They want to take your guns, which I thought I looked at my wife and I go, did you hear that? Like you rarely hear that on the air. (laughs) They usually hide it. And you know what I'm saying, Joe, they'll disguise their Mm -hmm. radical views. Stein senses an opening and brilliantly moves in. And he senses the propaganda and exposes it. And he says to the guy, you know, how many members does the NRA have? And the guy's like, well, millions, but the number may be open for dispute. Oh, well, the fact that they have millions of members, by the way, is not open for dispute. Right. You can dispute how many millions, but the fact that they have millions of members is not open for dispute at all, which the guy eventually acknowledges, the gun grabber, that is. Stein then says to him, how many members do you have? And he's like, well, you know, um, not that many. <laughs> so Stein brilliantly says to him, well, doesn't that make you the fringe position? I was like, <laughs> bravo. I even stopped my wife. She was cooking some awesome salmon. Uh, it was great. I'm like, did you hear that? I'm like, that is how you fight back in the culture war. 
He recognizes the propaganda. You NRA members are crazy. We should steal your guns. He recognizes it. He isolates that nonsensical garbage, a propaganda group with 5 million members. The Mm -hmm. country only has 300 million people. (laughs) It's got 5 million members that vote. He then says to him, well, okay, if they're a fringe group, how many members do you have? Uh, Well, you know, not not much. (laughs) Well, how are we the fringe group? You see how the propaganda stopped, Joe? Time out. It stopped immediately. Yeah. Because he confronts him on his, his nonsense, his absurdity. He doesn't have any numbers to back up what he's saying. He makes him call out a fringe position, taking people's guns, which is unquestionably a fringe position. Even so-called moderates, which I dispute that word on gun control, will not argue for a nationwide confiscation because they know it's a loser. He calls him out and on the air in front of three million people shows, hey, don't be intimidated. Don't be intimidated anymore. He's the fringe guy. He's the kook, not us. That's how you win this. That's how you fight back in the culture war. You see where I'm going with this, Joe? Yeah, we do live in a deep plurality. You know? Yeah, yeah, right. We're the right. We're the ones. You, you. But you need. Yeah. You know what reminds me of something we talked about before? What, bro? Remember a while back, I said there's this video on YouTube. Someone sent it to me. There's a, there's a cool video on YouTube, and I don't know what it's titled, so forgive me, but it's a guy dancing in the park. Yeah. And uh, from what I heard from a yes. friend, some intelligence agencies use this to show the power of persuasion and how yeah, it's yeah. not the first person to speak out. It's yeah. the first person to back the first person speaking out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the video is a pretty cool one. It's a guy who gets up in a park. I don't know what it is, Central Park, whatever, who knows? And he starts dancing, right, right, like a crazy guy. And everybody's looking at him like, what a weirdo. Kind of like what the liberals say to us now. Like, what a weirdo. They want to carry guns. They're all crazy. Mm -hmm. It's not the guy who gets up and stands up against the tyranny of the majority. It's the first guy who backs him up and goes, I'm with that guy. And you liberals are crazy. That's the guy who changes the course of history. Because what happens in the video? A second guy gets up. And starts dancing crazy with the crazy guy. Next thing you know, the whole park starts dancing. My point here, folks, is there is a light at the end of the tunnel. To my email friend who thinks it's all dark. The light at the end of the tunnel is people like Stein and people like others. Instead of taking the easy road and going, oh, yeah, guns are bad. You know what? Maybe we should just acquiesce. You know, abortion's great. That's all wonderful. We can control the population. I'm not going to fight those social fights anymore. I'm just going to worry about the uh, economics and stuff. That's the new Republican Party. Those days are over. The second guy's up and dancing. The third guy is going to be next. I'm telling you, this will generate a cultural backlash. The left can't possibly win. And I tell you that because people will not accept their big R rights evaporating and being wiped down a toilet bowl. They will absolutely not accept it lying down. The second guy is going to get up and dance. And the third guy is going to get up and dance. They will not accept it. You can elect Democrats in 2018, maybe because some apathy sets in, but the minute they put an assault weapons ban on the books and college campuses, more conservatives keep getting beaten up, eventually you're going to see conservative campuses, you're going to see a backlash at the voting booth, you're going to see a cultural backlash, massive boycotts of your companies. You can't possibly win. 
The anger you're going to generate by a constant war on people's big R rights will generate a, an actionable response. I'm not talking about violence. I'm talking about the voting booth, political boycotts, academic institution boycotts, boycotts of products that use celebrity spokespeople who are liberal. This is only a matter of time. It's happening now. Look at the Delta story. Delta, we're going to cut all ties with the NRA. Okay, how about that $40 million taxpayer gift we were giving you? Yeah, no dice on that one. Good call, Delta. 13 people use the NRA discount. You lost $40 million. Listen, I'm not recommending the heavy hand of government for anything. I'm just saying Brooks's point, and this guy is no conservative, is a good one. You are generating a cultural backlash. The backlash is going to be severe. People understand propaganda right now because people like Stein are out there to tell the truth. They recognize the propaganda. They discount it. And they are starting to understand by the exposing of gun grabbers and far left extremists that we're not the wackos. They are. They're the kooks. Not us. These late-term abortion people, gun grabbers, taxes should be 90%. The government should control your health care. They're the wackos. We're not nuts. They're crazy. They're crazy. We are not the crazy ones. Be the second guy. Stand up and dance. Get up and dance with the other guy. I'm and then dancing. follow the second guy. You, you've been dancing for a while. Here we go, baby. He actually is dancing. Yeah, baby. Get up and dance. This is how it works. Yep. We're all going to take a little bit of skin off on this. It's going to hurt a little bit. Mm -hmm. Joe and I had to do something recently. It made us a little uncomfortable on the show. I don't mean Mm -hmm. uncomfortable because we did the right thing, but it wasn't easy. But you know what? Companies filled right back in that hole, man. (laughs) Right away. Sold out, fellas. You know what? You want to boycott us? Media matters. Boycott us. That's fine. We'll go private. Folks, listen. We will fight back. You will fight back. We will win. Because people are dancing. All right. I got one more story on this to show you the extreme position. Remember, they're the extremists, not us. Thank you, Joe. Give me a little round. Yeah. That's how I know I was onto something. Yep. Joe Joe's a very good judge of what show is going to do well and what shows are going to do okay. <laughs> he predicts it almost uh, 100% of the time. All good. right, today's show brought to you by Buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. Uh, thanks to Miles, uh, by the way. I know he listens. For sending me a box of Field of Greens. I absolutely love this stuff. What is Field of Greens? It's like fruit and vegetable insurance, folks. There is no credible doctor, nutritionist, dietitian, even people who are involved in fitness and may not have the, you know, uh, pharmacokinetics of micronutrients (laughs) or whatever it may be. But they'll tell you, eat your fruits and vegetables for good health. This is a maxim of nutrition science forever. Fruits and vegetables matter. There are chemicals in fruits and vegetables, folks, we don't even know about. You know, why, why does the French paradox exist? I have no idea. The French, they eat a lot. Of, they eat a high fat diet, the French. They never have heart attacks. Why? We don't know a lot of it. Why? Because there are hidden chemicals in food, hidden from us now. We may find them later, but powerful chemicals in fruits and vegetables that will lead to your good health. I eat tons of fruits and vegetables anyway, but I also take Field of Greens because it's my fruit and vegetable insurance, and I think it tastes delicious. I'm not just telling you that. I wouldn't do that. If it had a little bit of a grainy, horrible taste, I'd be like, listen, folks, it's worth it, but take it anyway. I'm telling you, it tastes good. It's got cherry in it, licorice. I taste a little bit of... I don't know, blueberry and it's got a fruity taste. I actually put it in water. I enjoy it. 
It is ground up fruits and vegetables. It's food, powerful food. It's real. So it's not some junk. It's not extracts. It's real food. Give this stuff a shot, please, for your health, for your fitness levels. This is really good stuff. It's called Field of Greens. I would not be involved in this company if I didn't believe in it. They Their first batch sold out really, really, really fast. That's how good it is. Give it a shot. Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Check out Field of Greens today. You will not regret it. This is a great product. I've been taking it two and three times a day. Miles is going to have to send me more because my kids are taking it now, too. <laughs> yeah, it's true. All right. Um, really, really, really good story for you. I saw this will be. Please read this one at the show notes. I know. I listen. I get it. I know. I'm driving you crazy, asking you every day, but I want you to know what I know so bad because I read this stuff, and I really want you to see this article. It's from uh, the Acton blog, and it's really good. It was sent to me by a friend. And it covers a case, you may not hear about this uh, anywhere else. And I'm going to cover this a little later on NRA TV, by the way. Thanks to everybody who tuned in last night. Uh, I'm on every night now, 5.30 live from my home studio, nratv.com. It's free, 5.30 Eastern time. Please check it out. You can check out the shows there. They're going to be all uh, easily reviewable on uh, you know the day show tomorrow and all that other stuff. So nratv.com, but check it out live. I'm going to be covering this a little more tonight as well, but... The case, Joe, in front of the Supreme Court, this is a really cool story, is the Minnesota Voters Alliance versus Mansky. And here's the essence of the case. Minnesota bans political apparel at the polling place. You may say, oh, pretty simple. What's the case about? So in other words, you can't walk into a political place with a a shirt that says, you know, vote Armacost 2020 or Bongino. I have a, someone sent me a sticker, Bongino Armacost 2020. Yeah. So Joe and I will not be running, but thank you very much for the the offer. We appreciate it. Now, it sounds pretty straightforward, right, Joe? Right. Yeah, yeah. Folks, again, this is the left's effort to silence political speech. You may say, but Dan, you said bans political apparel. Doesn't it ban conservative apparel too? Oh, oh, not so much. The questioning here. Huh. Uh, you know what? Maybe I was going to just take a bit, but let me read to you just quickly the questioning. I was going to just kind of do some highlights of it, but yeah. maybe I'll do a couple. This is, don't go anywhere, folks. Uh, here we go. So let me start from the beginning here, because this is important. So here is a transcript of the, tr- of the questioning, and here's what I want you to take away from this so you know what I'm trying to say here. Listen to the answers when Justice Alito, who is a terrific conservative, Joe, when Justice Alito asks this, the, the, the guy who's defending this political T-shirts and, and stuff and pins and buttons aren't allowed at the polling place. Listen to his answers about what's political. And remember the prior conversation we just had the entire time drawing arrows in my head here where I was trying to tell you that liberalism is not considered liberal anymore. It's considered the default acceptable position. If you're a liberal, you're just normal. If you're a conservative, you're a political maniac. Listen to the answers this guy defending this crazy law gives about what's political and what's not. Justice Alito says to him, his name is Daniel Rogan, the guy defending it. He says, how about a shirt with a rainbow flag? Would that be permitted? Of course, the rainbow being a symbol of a lot of gay rights organizations. Mm-hmm. He says, this is Rogan now. A shirt with a rainbow flag? Uh, no, it would. Um, yes, it would be. It would be permitted. Um, unless there was unless there was an issue on the ballot that uh, that related somehow to gay rights. This is, I'm putting in, this is him stumbling through it. 
Mm-hmm. By the way, read this piece. It'll be at the show notes today. It's short and sweet. So rainbow flag is cool, Joe. Mm-hmm. It's not political unless there's a specific gay rights question on the ballot. Mm-hmm. So, folks, we got it. Rainbow flag, all good. Cool. <laughs> okay. Question two, Justice Alito. Hey, man, how about a shirt? That- he didn't say, hey, man. That's me. <laughs> hey, brother. <laughs> how about a shirt that says Parkland Strong? Rogan. No, that would um that would be uh that would be allowed, I think, Your Honor. Parkland, of course, being the horrific tragedy down here. But Parkland Strong being an issue, uh, and he says Justice Alito says, even though gun control would very likely be an issue. And he says, uh I think, I, I think today that I I would be if 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 that was in Minnesota and it was Parkland Strong, I I would say that that would be allowed, that there's not. He can't answer the question because when it's about gun control, yeah, it's oh yeah, that's cool. So rainbow flag, cool. Gun control type statements, those are cool. No, not political, Joe. Again, the default position, that's not political. Only conservatives are nuts, right? (laughs) Hey, this is is great. Justice Alito. (laughs) Okay, how about an NRA shirt? An NRA (laughs) shirt? Today in Minnesota? No, no, it would not. Folks, I'm not making this up, by the way. Your Honor, I I think that's a clear indication. And I I think what you're getting at, Your Honor... And so he cuts them off. So no, no, the NRA shirt's no good. Rainbow flag, perfectly okay. Parkland strong, gun control implicated, A-okay. An NRA shirt, eh, ixnay <laughs> on that. Alito, who's a genius. He is a genius. This questioning, you have got to read this. And there's a video in there too. Watch it. It's amazing. Watch the guy stumble. Justice Alito, this is brilliant. How about a shirt with the text of the Second Amendment? That's just our constitution, Joe. <laughs> yeah. God, Your Honor, I, 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 I think that that could be viewed as political. That, uh, that, 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 that would be political. The Second Amendment, wow. just the text of the Second Amendment. So the rainbow flag, a okay, brother. Parkland strong, bingo. The Second Amendment, the actual text, no, no, no way, no good. An NRA shirt, absolutely not. Okay, one more. This, I'm telling you, you got to love Alito. If I see him, I'm going to pat him on the back. Hopefully his security doesn't stop me. I, I mean it in a good way. He's great. How about the First Amendment? No, Your Honor, I don't think the First Amendment and Your Honor, I, and the Chief Justice Roberts intervenes. No, no what? That it would be covered or it wouldn't be allowed? No, the First Amendment would be allowed. So the First Amendment's cool, Joe. Yeah. Because liberals agree with that yeah, sometimes. Yeah. But the Second Amendment, definitely not. That's political. Wait, wait, wait. One more. This is because this one's great. Cool. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Two, two more. Ago. How about a Colin Kaepernick jersey, Alito says? No, Your Honor. Uh, I, I don't think that would be under our statute. And I think, in other words, it's okay. Yeah. It's yeah. not a covered by the sea. Colin Kaepernick jersey. Ayo, that's not political. That's Even though Kaepernick is known primarily for making a political statement. Now, listen to the genius, right? Kaepernick stands with Black Lives Matter and that whole group. But his jersey's okay. According to this liberal supposed lawyer here, right? Alito sets him up perfectly. Oh, well, how about an All Lives Matter shirt? All Lives Matter. The counter to Black Lives Matter. The sensible position, I think, but one associated, sadly, with conservatives. Mm -hmm. Because it shouldn't be conservative. How about All Lives Matter? Uh, uh, Your Honor, that that could be perceived as political. So that's no good. No good there. Folks, if you read anything today, read this piece. 
Tweet it, put it on your Facebook, and email it to your liberal friends, and ask them to explain this away, please. This is what I told you. Liberalism is the default position. Conservatives are seen as the fringe movement. But folks, the tide is turning. It's it's pieces like this, Supreme Court's cases like this, that expose the liberals for everything I've been telling you they are for the last three years. Wanton and desirous of a discretionary government where the rules don't matter and they change them on the fly. There's no rule about political speech here. This guy can't even define it. He's defending it in court. Rainbow flag, good. Kaepernick, good. All lives matter, NRA, no, no, definitely no good. They're both, they could both be perceived as political speech. But when there's no rules and liberals are in power, it's only the conservative political speech that has to be silenced. Discretionary government, folks, liberals hate the rules. They like flexible rules, which are no rules at all because they love power and they love control. Don't ever forget it. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please check out these uh, articles today at Bongino.com or subscribe to the email list and I will fire them off right to you. See y'all later. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.